Hey, 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 it's Heidi here with the Lifelong Podcast. We are on episode 10, and today I am totally geeked because I am interviewing my friend and soul sister and herbalist and integrative health practitioner, Maddie Miles of Peace Love Hormones. Many of you are probably familiar with her because she is truly the queen of hormones and menstrual health especially on Instagram. She's really grown her presence on there. And I am just so pumped because I got to interview her today. So today we are going to be chatting about all things menstrual health, happy hormones, and Maddie's sharing her story, which is beyond compelling. And she's just a really wonderful, eloquent speaker. She's so fun. I love her energy. You guys are going to love this. So without further ado, let's welcome Maddie Miles. Hello. How are you, Maddie? Hi, Heidi. I am fabulous. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm so excited you're here. And it was so fun just catching up right before we started recording. Um, I need to tell our listeners about the coincidence, I guess, that happened. So I asked Maddie where she grew up because I knew she's from the Chicago area and I live in the Chicago area. And she said, Evanston, and that is where I have lived for the last three years. And I literally just moved out of Evanston. So we're just catching up on the whole Evanston thing. And yeah, just excited to have you here, Maddie, and wondering if we can just jump right into your story, because we kind of have a similar, uh, I guess, path on how we both ended up in holistic health care. And just wondering if you could share on how you got to where you are today and how Peace Love Hormones was born. Absolutely. And I just want to say thank you so much for listening, um, everyone who's here and everyone who also will be listening at a later time and date. And thank you so much for having me, Heidi. I feel like we have so many connections. And yeah, the Evanston one was just like the icing to the cake. But honestly, we'll probably have even more as we get to know each other more. Truly a soul sister from afar. Um, So, so grateful to have met you. So grateful to be in the space that I'm in that you can share, you know, I'm sure that passion with. Um, so my story began, my health story began when I was younger. I was about, I was in fifth grade. So 10 or so years old when all of these imbalances that were going on within my body really started to show themselves, um, in major, major symptoms. So Those symptoms at the time started off as insomnia. I could not fall asleep for the life of me. I saw a sleep specialist. My parents were um, so supportive. They still are. They're my biggest fans. And they were very, very proactive when it came to um, noticing what was going on with me, that like something was happening and just taking me to anyone and everyone who they think that they could, that could help me. So I was very depressed. I was anxious. I was an insomniac. I was seeing multiple specialists and therapists. And that all really started around fifth grade. However, all of this stuff was really brewing even up until then. It's not just like it happens overnight. It, you know, it was, it was a progression and trending in towards seventh grade. I started to develop disordered eating uh, habits 
and eventually was just diagnosed with full-on anorexia nervosa, was in and out of different hospitalization programs, partial hospitalization programs. We tried the Maudsley method. We tried CBT. We tried everything uh, when it comes to at least conventional Western medicine. We tried everything and nothing was sticking. Also, they were feeding me you know, they weren't feeding me real food in these programs that I was in. And when I, you know, had feeding tubes, I I was, uh, you know, I was, I was hooked up to feeding tubes. And when I was off them, they're feeding me just really unsupportive food. So my gut was not getting any healthier. If anything, it was getting worse. So we had the starvation, we had the stress, we had medications, um, because I was being prescribed, you know, sleep, sleep medication, anti-anxiety medication, depressive depression medication, all of these things. So my gut is really taking a hit. Right. And then on top of that, in these programs, their mentality was she's underweight. We need to just feed her food. It didn't matter what that food was. We just need to get her weight up which we know it's the mind-body connection. It's all in one. It's the same. So they're really treating the physical when it came to my eating disorder. And I think that a lot of the conventional approaches still do that. I haven't been in that space in a while. Um, so I can't really say for sure, but I believe they are still heavily focusing on the BMI and on the physical. Uh, for example, I was not allowed to talk to a therapist when I was really sick in my program. Um, for the first few months because they said it's just worthless talking to someone who's sick with an eating disorder because they, no, literally. And so they would talk to my parents instead and I would be in the room, but I was not allowed to speak. If I did speak, they would act like I wasn't there. So it was a very traumatic experience recovering from my eating disorder. And, you know, it was just like this roller coaster of a journey where sometimes I would be you know, I I would graduate from these programs, I would get out and I would be weight restored. But I felt so terrible. So I would relapse right after I got out. And nothing was sticking. And it was the final time that I was hospitalized in the Evanston Hospital. Uh, My senior year of high school, I had graduated early, I moved to Spain, was living with a host family, got a Spanish boyfriend was living my life. But I, you know, it was the first time that I was away from my parents, like for that long, my entire life, and especially like the last six years of my life, where I feel like all I was was with my parents, you know, like I went to school half days if I even went to school at all and was just in the car driving hours with my parents to in Chicago traffic to get to these programs, to get to sessions. And, you know, I'd be picked up from school to eat lunch with them because I had to be monitored. So it was the first time that I was like, oh my gosh, I'm out. I'm out. And, you know, again, they thought that I was fine to go, you know, to another country because I was weight restored. So technically, like in everyone's eyes, like she was fine. And I got to Spain and I definitely abused that power. And I ate, I stopped eating as much, um, dramatically lost weight, was not having bowel movements. So this is what triggered me to go home in the first place is because it had literally been 30 days since I didn't have bowel movement. And it was because I wasn't eating. But in my head, I was like, there has to be a reason. Like, why am I not having, you know, why am I not pooping? And I was so constipated. So I tried to go to the hospitals in Spain, but um, they're, uh, they, they just could not help me. So I came home and I will never forget the look on my parents' face when I walked off the out, out of the terminal in the Chicago Hair Airport. And they just looked like they had seen a ghost, like their child had died. They immediately took me to the ER. 
they did the whole um, cleaning out as if I was getting um, uh, I keep want to say coloscopy, but um, colonoscopy. Mm-hmm. And the other one is whatever for your cervix. But um, I was in the hospital doing that for about two days. And then they, instead of just like, you know, if you, if I would have been a normal, healthy weight, I would have gone home. I would have continued to eat. Cause you can't eat during that time. You're just drinking this nasty drink. I, I can't even remember what it was, but it was to help me go to the bathroom. And they had to keep me in the hospital though and hook me up to feeding tubes. Cause they're like, we can't, your body's going to go into total shock. We just had to basically starve you even more for two days. Like you have to die. So long story short, I'm laying there in a hospital gown, hooked up to feeding tubes in a hospital bed again. My parents were just, I mean, it was just one of those moments again where like the tension, it, you could cut it with a knife. And I was like, why am I here again? Like, uh, and so I looked at my parents and I said, I understand that there's a problem. I totally see it now. And I want to get better. I want to go back to Spain. I want to go to college. I want to do all of these things with my life. I want to start my own business. I want to have kids. I want to fall in love, like blah, blah, blah. But we cannot keep doing what we've been doing. Um, you know, I truly believe I can heal. I just don't know what I need, but it's something more natural. And so my parents found the Raiden Wellness Center in Chicago. And it was the first time ever that I was hearing of, you know, food as medicine. Um, it was the first psychiatrist I had seen who did not want me on medication. And they wanted to use IV vitamin IVs. They wanted to, they wanted to actually do talk therapy with me. So it was like all of these things, these beautiful shifts were happening. And I had to stay home for a month and I was able to go back to Spain, put back on weight, but also more importantly, more equally as important or even more importantly, I felt better and I was healing emotionally. So it wasn't overnight though. I mean, this took years and years and years and my immune system was really, um, was, was really struggling after all of that. So I also contracted Lyme when I was in college. I mean, a lot happened after that. And I'm, you know, for the sake of our time, like I'll skip over a lot of that, but you know, I was healing slowly, but surely. And it was for the first time in my life. And so I decided to go to school and study nutrition and dietetics and realized that it was totally missing the bar in all of my classes. Um, you know, I was, it's so funny. The Dean called me in one day and was like, you're amazing at this. Like you're one of our top students. I'm like, cause this is so easy. Like I'm doing way more work on myself outside of classes right now. Um, and so I knew for sure I did not want to go I didn't want to be a medical doctor. I wanted to stay away from that, as, you know, as far as I could. And I didn't want to be a dietitian again, to shuffled under the Western model in a clinic. And so I went into my integrated program once I graduated from undergrad. Um, and that's when I really started to learn about, you know, healing the body and the mind. Everything's interconnected. We're all one in the same with the earth, with other humans. And was really learning about like functional medicine, Ayurvedic medicine, traditional Chinese medicine, herbalism, all of these things. And it, it was incredible, but I was still having to do such heavy research on the outside because I still didn't feel like it was very tailored towards women. And we are such a unique breed. We should, we deserve our, our own medicine. That's entirely separate from everything else. And so I was still doing a lot of research outside of that because at the time going into my integrative program, it was actually a couple months before that, before I started, I wanted to stop hormonal birth control because it was the only pharmaceutical that I was taking. And I was still experiencing some sleep issues and, um, mood changes. You know, I like, 
with my partner at the time, I was like, I really love my partner, but why don't I want to have sex? Like, I don't want to have sex. I don't feel sexy. Like, I don't even want to do self-pleasure. So I know it's not on him, you know, like I just kind of felt like a mummy. Um, and so I started to do some like mild research into hormonal birth control and then it turned to extreme research. And then I was like, I'm getting off of this. So I, you know, was at the time and still always am doing a ton of research on us just because we're so unique and we have been excluded from medical research until like the last 20 or so years. It's really recent that we've actually been included in research a little over 20 years. Um, but you know, to, to understand that and to know, and, um, it can get kind of scary at times because you're like, dang, I can't, I feel like I can't trust doctors, you know? And like, we've been, it's only scary because we've been raised to think that like these people are superior to all and that, you know, they're like these godlike figures that are supposed to tell us they're supposed to know our bodies better than we do. And Heidi, you understand this, like us as practitioners, we're not trying to say that we know people's bodies better than themselves. We know the basics of the body and like how to, you know, heal it. But we also understand that everyone has a very unique bio individuality and biochemistry. So each person's healing plan has to be slightly different. Um, And so understanding that and really just being people's guides, it's sort of like how the therapist never really helps you understand your problems. They just help you to come to it. We are helping people heal their own bodies with our knowledge, with our passion and our expertise. Um, But at the end of the day, it's really on the individual. So you know, I always love to remind myself that and remind anyone else of that because it can get really stressful when you, you know, again, when you just like fall into that trap of like, oh my gosh, like these doctors are supposed to know all and, you know, they really don't. And I feel like I'm hopeless. I'm doomed if I ever get sick. And that, that is definitely a scary thought, but it's also not a true thought. So I always love to mention that in the episodes that I'm in and everything, because we're not hopeless and we have so many of us in the world, right? Like so many holistic and um, functional practicing practitioners who can help you. So you're never alone. And it's totally shifting. Like, I see this wave of people opening up and realizing that there are other ways to heal and that doctors don't always have the answer. Yes, they're in a lab coat and you know, went through extensive schooling and they're smart. They are are wonderful for certain things, but at the end of the day, we know more about our body than anyone, even a holistic health practice, the individual and their own intuition. I truly believe the answers are within ourselves. And the problem is that I, through just society and getting older and less naive, I think you become, it, it's easier to become burdened and it's easier to kind of block off your intuition and psych yourself out and think let the logical brain come in instead of your intuition which I think the answers are always within us I guess I'm trying to say but it's hard for some people to access them 
Yeah, it, one of my favorite you know, quotes. Yeah, no, for sure. One of my favorite quotes is that we have the greatest internal pharmacy within our own bodies. So really, when it comes down to healing, it's just a matter of giving our bodies what it needs um, and like to support it and doing what it innately knows how to do and taking away the stuff um, that is inhibiting that from happening. So yeah, we have everything that we need, all of the answers that we need inside our own body, which is the most freeing piece of, uh, it's like, it's facts, you know, it's so freeing to know that. Yeah, I know. And when I was in the thick of my healing and our stories are, they're different, but there's a lot of similarities. And I was very sick during college, seriously ill. Doctors didn't know what was going on with me. They wanted to, the whole shebang, they wanted to get me on all these different meds, do all this different testing. And they just said, it's anxiety. You're crazy. <laughs> um, but anyways, I came across this book and I talk about this book a lot and it's called you can heal your life by Louise. Hay. Have you heard of her? I haven't. No, you would probably love her. She, um, she started this whole publishing house called Hay house. So you might've even, I've heard of some Hay of house. The- Yeah. So she started Hay House and she really is like a pioneer in the, she's now deceased, but she was a pioneer in the field of self-love and affirmation. And she healed herself from cancer actually all on her own with her mind. And I thought that was so powerful because when I was sick, I didn't have answers. I knew stuff was physically wrong with me intuitively, I knew something was physically wrong, even though the doctors wanted to say it was your mind. But I knew that my mind still played a role, there was a cycle. So what I could control in that moment was my mind. And that's kind of how I made it through it. I mean, I'm going off on a tangent now. I am sorry, I want to hear more about you. Girl, do not apologize. Also, that's something that I'm trying to be very conscious of is not like apologizing so much because I used to just like apologize for everything. And then it also makes it seem like like when you really do have to apologize for something, like if you're talking to like someone pretty frequently, like for example, in like my partnership with Braxton, it's like if I'm always apologizing for stuff when I really am sorry for something, it's not going to seem as great. So I always tell, especially women, I'm like, we have apologized for way too much when we should be we should be getting apologies <laughs> for all the trauma that we've been put through. <laughs> right. So do not apologize. I love hearing about it. Um, if time wasn't a factor, I think Heidi, you and I could talk for hours and hours and hours, but I know that you do yeah. want to get into like hormonal birth control yes. and like peace, love hormones, which is Please my brand. Yeah. So I can just get into all of that. <laughs> I have your lovely questions up here. Um, so I already shared my story, but peace, love hormones, my brand really, came from the, uh, the knowledge and the passion that I had after all of my research that, you know, I was doing at the time and then still doing on a daily basis, but like, whoa, like the bar is totally like, it's not just low, it's missing for women in like, you know, the health and wellness space and all of these, you know, research studies, even the more like, you know, 
integrated functional ones like intermittent fasting, for example, which can have tremendous benefits is still done on males and lab rats. And we're finally seeing now doing it on women. And unfortunately, a lot of this, it's not always like these high budget studies that are giving us these answers, but it's really just like in practice. And we're seeing it with our own patients and clients that like intermittent fasting does not work for our beautifully and unique endocrine systems. Um, So that's why, you know, Peace Love Hormones, our brand mission is to educate, number one, and to empower and to help menstruators heal and to finally just regain control of their menstrual health. So there's two facets to um, to the brand and it's the education piece. So we have our podcast, YouTube, Instagram, TikTok. We have all in a, a menstrual health app, which I keep forgetting that just because it recently mm-hmm. launched a month ago, but I have to add that to my spiel now. Um, all of that yeah. is under the education and then the healing part um like the actual physical healing part comes from herbal remedies so i am an herbalist i am a full-blown so passionate about herbs i used herbs for the first time when i was um again seeing this these integrative psychiatrists and they were like okay well we have herbs to help you sleep and we have herbs to make you feel better and i also contracted love them i contracted (laughs) lyme disease when i was in college We did a whole herbal protocol for that. So, um, you know, for, I just realized like all of these healing protocols that I'm doing, whether it's parasites, yeast and bacteria, like all of these pathogens and imbalances in the body, what were we always going to with my, with my mentors and my teachers and my healers? We were going to herbs. So I grew super passionate about herbs. I came back to them when I stopped hormonal birth control and I felt super alone when I stopped the pill because I could not for the life of me find a practitioner who um, I mean, I definitely could not find a doc. I wasn't expecting to find a doctor who was supportive of that. My gynecologist literally laughed at me and told me that like, she was like, basically like, good luck. Like I'll see you in a year when you're pregnant. And I was appalled. Oh. Um, which it's been or they're like, just go on a different pill. Like, oh, yeah. just, you just need a different pill. She's <laughs> like, can I interest you in the IUD? I was like, no, you can't. Um, I've already, I've already learned about the ID. So, <laughs> um, I, and I've not gone pregnant. Um, but anyway, where was I at? Okay. So I always turn to herbs and, I turned to herbs when I stopped the pill because I had heard horror stories from other women who had stopped the pill, like that they got cystic acne, that, um, you know, their anxiety was terrible. Basically anything that was suppressed by the pill or even brewing while on the pill came back and came back with vengeance. And I was like, what? I do not want to get cystic acne. I've never had acne in my life, much less do I want it in my adult life. And so I was very, um, I really prepped my body. I prepped my gut, my liver, all of these things that had been so suppressed and impacted from the pill, from my eating disorder, from Lyme, from antibiotic usage, because I used to get chronic UTIs also linked to the pill. Mm. Um, all of these things. And I was like, my gut is, she's going to need some help. That's for sure. <laughs> so <laughs> I did all the prep work beforehand, right? Once I got off the pill, it's also a continual thing that I do, um, you know, supporting my body's innate detoxification processes on a daily, on a daily basis. And then, you know, on a more intense, um, intense protocol seasonally, uh, that's not something I've made up. That is something that was practiced anciently and, you know, ancient cultures. So really just getting back to my roots and helping other people do that. And with that, 
I created, I formulated an herbal nutraceutical for PMS symptoms and for hormone imbalances. So I realized with a lot of the herbal supplements on the market, which there aren't a lot for PMS, but they're either in gummy form or they mm. were not high quality. They didn't come from like a lab that was uh, GMP certified, NSS certified, uh, FDA regulated. It wasn't organic. Like there's so many factors that I was always just like, no to that, no to that. Um, or they weren't, they just weren't clinically dosed. So a lot of people were coming to me and they're like, thank you. Cause you actually created something that works. Whereas I was taking X, Y, and Z before I never put down brands, but they're like, I just never found any benefit. I never felt any benefit from taking it. So clinically dosed is a huge one. And again, these herbs, it's not like I created these herbs. Uh, these herbs have been around since the beginning of time. I'm just using them. They're nature's medicine and what <clears throat> they work together too. So, you know, there are 10 different herbs in there and they use ancient Chinese principles, um, with modern day research. Um, and so that is, that's peace love hormones. And, you know, when it comes to birth control, I think that like so many women, are so fascinated by peace love hormones and so in love with soothe and you know everything that we're doing because we are not told upon starting hormonal contraceptive what the adverse side effects of the pill of the IUD of the implant of all of these things are and so we're pretty much just told hey you're fine and when you're ready to get pregnant you can come off of it so that's the narrative that we're fed and it's it's super unfair, right? Because first of all, that's also telling us subconsciously, sometimes even blatantly, that birth, preventing birth or getting pregnant is all on the woman. And so right there off the bat, that is super unfair. And um, it should be both, right? Also, like generally speaking, I know everyone's different and there's a lot of things impacting sperm count nowadays, like all the chemicals in our world and existence. Mm -hmm. But generally yep. speaking... Men are fertile 100% of the time, whereas women, we have this fertile window throughout our cycle. And if you are not on hormonal contraceptive, not on something that's impacting that, and you really have a grip on your cycle and you're able to track it, you can actually track this fertile window. The pill actually can cause uh, PCOS and a lot of these things that we are told that it can fix, which it doesn't fix any of that. And so at the end of the day, it's everyone's choice, what type of birth prevention form that they want to take. Um, and it is my job to just provide the options and to make tracking your mm -hmm. cycle less scary because it's really not scary, but I was totally in that position again, after just like right. living in this world and, you know, growing up with the shit said sex education that I got and just being like, Oh my gosh, if I can, we're never taught, we're never taught, we're never taught about all the different phases in our cycle or the fact that we have a fertile window and right. everything. I mean, there, there are a lot, a lot of issues. I really appreciate you um, sharing all this and yeah. just providing so many resources. You know what I mean? Because I, I truly feel, and I know I'm cutting you off now, but I, for good reason. <laughs> um, and I'm not going to apologize because you told me to not apologize. Yes, don't apologize. <laughs> Um, it, it really excites me to see you and, you know, other people in the space, but particularly you, I just really resonate and love your content. And I love you as a person, even though we're, 
We did, we've never met in person, but I love you too. We are totally soul sisters. So I, I think that by providing this information and using social media as a tool, along with your app and your product and everything, I, I really appreciate the social media aspect because that is how we tap into that, the generation that is on birth control and that needs to learn about the adverse effects and alternate options and how their body actually works. I was on birth control for um, a number of years and I went off of it and people I think thought I was like crazy or ready to get pregnant or whatever and I wasn't married and I'm like, doesn't freaking matter. Like what I'm doing, it's my body at the end of the day. And first of all, and second of all, like I want to be in tune with my body. I don't want anything altering my chemistry and I want to be able to feel good every day. Like I, I'm sure you could talk about this, but I was really impacted by like moodiness and depression. Mm. I, I remember having some like episodes where I was just like so angry and like almost temperamental in a way when I was on birth control, I would occasionally just have episodes where I was just like so angry and like felt like out of control a little bit. Yeah. And then I remember going off of birth control and I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like a kid again. Mm -hmm. Like I feel so free. I feel like myself. And it was so eye-opening. Like what the heck? Right. We're just put on this pill with no information and you're you're pressured into it. It's almost a lot of time. it was like a social it was a social thing too. When I was in high school, mm-hmm. I remember girls would be like, Are you on the pill yet? So it was like a it was like a I'm trying to think of what word in English. Sorry for everyone listening if I've messed up any words. I switch back and forth between Spanish and English a lot. So sometimes my English is <laughs> gets a little wonky. But it was almost like a, a badge of honor, right? And like stepping into your womanhood. Uh, to be put on the pill. That's how I remember it, at least with my friend group. And so it can get very yeah. tricky to to listen to your intuition in general when you're younger, you know, and we're growing and all these things are changing within us on like a hormone level and on a neurotransmitter, like so many things are going on in our body. And it's literally just halted when we are put on the pill. And I, I actually have not received any judgment from for stopping the pill. Um, if anything, I well, I don't know, you find some interesting people on TikTok, that's for sure. But I would say, <laughs> like, at least in like my inner circle, no one's judged me for it. If anything, they're like, wait, what? Can you tell me why I should like, you know, stop it? And then they go and they yeah. see my work and they're like, oh my gosh, I want to stop. And uh, for a lot of people, it's just like that fear that's like the the barrier. So whether it's fear of getting pregnant mm-hmm. or it's fear because they're put on the pill because they told that it was gonna fix their acne or fix their, you know, debilitating, mm-hmm. um, debilitating debilitating cramps or period pain or heavy flows or abnormal flows, whatever it was, whatever they're put on the pill for or the IUD. So it can be super scary to come off. But again, the goal is, well, first of all, like the pill doesn't fix any of that. The IUD doesn't fix any of that. It doesn't fix the root cause. So whenever you come off, it's just going to come back and it's going to come back probably even worse. So that's why it's better to just, to make sure that we're healing everything, making sure that all of your 
systems, all of your organs, even before that, your cells and the mitochondria, that powerhouses of your cells, that all of those are functioning properly. And then you don't have to worry about any of that. So it's totally possible. And um, the fear comes from people doubting that it's possible because we, again, we have these people in white coats who don't know, and right, they're telling right. us that it's not possible. And I too have met so many people who have healed their cancer naturally. So um, through the yes, the power of their mind, of course, we can literally, we've seen in some studies, tumors shrink from like ohm chanting and energy work over the person. So it's, it's real people. It's real, but also just from like the natural therapies. I mean, there's so many things that I wish we could talk about today. We maybe have to do part two, but like coffee enemas and liver support and, you know, all of these things, pastor oil oil packs, and like also putting that on your liver during one part of your cycle, putting it on like over your uterus, over your womb for the other part of your cycle to help with inflammation. There's so many things that we can do. Um, you know, something that I just started recently that I was like, well, this is the easiest thing ever. Like, why didn't I think of this before? But I saw it. Um, I saw one of my colleagues actually do it. And she was like, I literally just stick my face in ice water in the morning. And that, you know, has really helped with like her skin and everything. And I was like, honestly, I don't need a whole lot of help with like my skin right now. But like, I want to try it. And I was wrong. I because it's like it just made my skin even (laughs) more tight and like vibrant. And I'm like, this is literally free. This is free to put ice water in a bowl and stick your face in it for, you know, I don't even do it for that long. I think you're supposed to do it for longer. But I'm like, (laughs) 20 seconds is my max. I've been using an ice cube. Yes, that too. Just rub it along my face because I want an ice roller, but I don't want to buy one. I'm like, wait, I can just use an ice cube. Oh, yeah. Also, like if you get um, a jade roller, uh, you can just put it in the freezer and then it's cold. That's what I do. Funny story. I posted it on my story like a year ago and I got it and I called it a, a sage roller. And I love, I love my followers so much because no one corrected me. They actually just thought that I had something new that they had never heard of. They're like, what is a sage roller? Like I have a jade roller. Is it similar? And I was like, I think it's actually, oh my I think God. you're right. I'm wrong. Um, but oh yeah, God. just a little side note, but oh yeah. What were you gonna say? What I love about I was just going to say what I love about like all of these, whether it's herbs or cold therapy, whatever it may be, all of this stuff is, is ancient. Like, and it's from nature. I would say most of it at least is ancient and from nature. And it's really about just getting back to the basics, getting back to our roots. You know, the whole reason this is a whole side conversation, but the whole reason we have medication and in my opinion is they're based off of herbs and things in nature. They're just synthetic forms. So it's Mm -hmm. like, I'm someone who loves things that are natural and real. If I need a little extra support, I'm going to go to an herb before I go to a synthetic synthetic herb, which is also a pharmaceutical drug. For sure. And homeopathics too, are a whole different branch of natural medicine that actually the concept of homeopathics and how they work within the body and the homeopathics are derived from, you know, again, supplying your, giving your body this, uh, replication, the formula of something that, um, for example, I use arsenica for, um, for anxiety. 
again, it's so diluted to the point where I'm not actually, you know, ingesting arsenicum, but, um, arsenica, but it's, if I were, it's giving me that like formula, that like equation to get, again, give my internal pharmacy what it needs to expel the symptoms of anxiety because arsenica poisoning has very similar side effects to anxiety and panic attacks. And actually, so that you know, whole concept that model sounds very similar to what? To vaccines. Vaccines were derived from the concept of homeopathics. So we have to remember how new Western medicine is and that it came from somewhere, you know, and it comes from all the ancient modalities of healing. So uh, that's something I actually recorded a whole episode on homeopathics with my mentor here in Austin. She's this dope seven-year-old lady who also healed her cancer naturally. She literally, when she realized, when she found out she had colon cancer, she, and she had been a naturopath doctor at that point and an herbalist. And, um, you know, she's a homeopathic specialist for pretty much her whole life. And she literally just went and lived in the forest for two years barefoot and foraged and healed her cancer. So <laughs> she's oh, such a badass. But we recorded a whole <laughs> podcast episode on homeopathics. I'll, I'll link that in yes, the show notes yes. for sure. Because- it's an amazing one. But, you know, herbs, they're so great because they, again, they can get us away from the, uh, you know, the Advil, the, the harsh medications when they're not necessarily needed because all of those are, um, those toxic chemicals are endocrine disruptors and they really disrupt our yeah. endocrine system, which is our body's beautiful hormone messenger, messenger system in this network of feedback and communication loops. And they really disrupt that. So the further that we can get away from that, the better, right? Um, because, you know, mm-hmm. they're not natural at the end of the day. And yes, yeah, sometimes we need them. I broke my arm. It's almost a year ago. I broke my arm. And so like, praise the Lord. We had, you know, those smart doctors in the ER who were doing all the scans. They figured out, okay, you have, you know, X, Y, and Z going on. But when it came to healing that, um, beyond them, you know, of course, wrapping me up in, um, in a, in a cast, I was the one who was really proactive about the healing of my bones and the, um, reduction of inflammation within my body to allow for that, you know? So like when it came to that, that's when then I stepped in, um, and like holistic practitioners would step in like us, but you know, Western medicine definitely has its time and place. So I'm not discrediting that all you, you already mentioned this before too, that a lot of those doctors are just flipping genius. Um, I'm not going to say everyone Mm -hmm. is because I also don't think all holistic practitioners and people in this space are genius. I think some people are in it for, you know, on both sides for the buck or, you know, for the ego or whatever it is. And some people are truly meant for this Mm -hmm. work. It just works. It clicks within their brain. So, but I have met some brilliant doctors But it can, you know, and I met a lot of doctors who came through my program, MDs, you know, and they can, uh, they can attest to that they got zero to 30 minutes of nutrition education in their programs. And, you know, they didn't get classes on herbalism. So they honestly, sometimes it's, it's not that they're like trying to make us sicker, but they just truly don't know. And also they, They they don't get paid that way. 
You know what I mean? So, um, it really, it just depends on what you're dealing with. Sometimes you do need to go into the doctor's office. You need to go into the ER. Um, but if it's something that, you know, you can heal naturally first, I say always go there first. Um, but can we talk about toxins and chemicals? Because I really, yes, that's my question. Yeah. (laughs) It's super important. I'm, I, cause I already kind of talked about it a little bit and I'm sure some people are like, what? Go back and expand on that. So we have over 144,000 man-made toxic chemicals known in existence right now. And it may be even higher than that because that number doubled over like 10 years. So it's, it's increasing and, uh, you know, common sources of these, I mean, it's everywhere. It's crazy. I mean, you walk outside and, you know, I love to stick my feet in the bare grass, but I kind of joke with some people sometimes because I'm like, you know, depending on where you live, that grass also may be sprayed with pesticides and, you know, chemicals and all fertilizer, all this stuff. So, uh, you know, it's sometimes a little Mm -hmm. counterproductive, but, um, you know, it comes in our food, non-organic food, processed packaged food. It comes in a lot of our clothes. If we're not buying like sustainable organic clothes, it comes in our yeah. Wait, mm-hmm. can I interrupt uh-huh. you for one sec? <laughs> yes. Uh, on the clothing yes. thing, you posted a story the other day, and I was very excited for you to post this. Well, it sounds kind of bad, but I've been researching chemicals and clothing, mm-hmm. and you posted something about a certain type of chemicals being found in yes. underwear. Expand on that really yeah. quick. So, and I can send you that article to link up as well because um, it's just important that we know. And they actually, a lot of these like period underwear companies, they do their own studies. And so it can sometimes be a little biased. Um, and even one of my dear friends, she she was a nurse. She got out of the system because she was like, screw this. And now she, she started a... Uh, a period underwear company and a menstrual cup company. And I actually reached out to her yesterday because she knows all of the certifications for her cups and those being non-toxic, but she was, and I'm so proud of her and happy that she's just transparent with me and she didn't get like lost in ego, but she's like, honestly, Mads, ever since we last talked, cause I asked her, I was like, can you show me some credentials for the period underwear? I know that the lab it's coming from says it's X, Y, and Z, but I want them to give you proof to show me because I love you and I support your mission, but I'm not going to recommend these if we don't know that they're, you know, non-toxic and they're not going to do more harm than good. And so she told me yesterday, she's like, honestly, Mads, thank you so much for that because we're now finding new suppliers because they were just being really like kind of sketchy and vague about like their certifications. And so, and then when you just think of like the big brands that have like so much in stock and like, they're not really expensive underwear, you're like, how high quality could these actually be? You know? And so there are some really big brands mm-hmm. that, you know, and I, and I feel, I felt a little bad at first. Cause I feel like some people like in like the menstrual health space, like kind of came at me the other day when I posted about it and I didn't even name out any brands, but they're like, are you talking about like, and then named this certain brand. Oh, cause I use it and they have all of these practices. And I was like, look, they may very well be non-toxic, but I am just saying to look into this other article and I was sharing it with people because this one, this organization is completely nonprofit. They, you know, they're 
only doing this for the well-being of other people. And they independently tested 16 different brands. So a lot of these brands, they do their own testing. So again, if they're doing their own testing, they can kind of say whatever, you know, but they actually tested all of these and they, you know, Mm -hmm. had all of these different credentials and they really explained it all. So I would say I'll just link, I'll send you that article. I'll text it to you, Heidi, that you can share with everyone. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, PFAs were... I was just going to say PFAs. I mean, PFAs are found in so many things, right? Drinking water, um, in our environment, they're, they're kind of everywhere. And so, uh, but they're found in underwear. They're just toxic chemicals. So various chemicals, I mean, not just in our underwear, but like, even like in our clothes, we just have to be really cautious of what is in our clothes. Um, especially when like, if, their clothes that you dry because the heat can activate and release those and like microplastics. And look, we could get so stressed out about it all. I mean, like I wish I had the money to completely detoxify my place, you know, like I'm sitting on my carpet right now and it was a nice carpet. I mean, it was actually pretty expensive, but like I, it's, it is not, it didn't even try to market itself as non-toxic. I'm sure it has some microplastics and stuff in here and like flame retardants. I'm sure my couch does too. So, you know, my next place, I'm going to do it better. I'm going to get like a leather couch and, you know, do certain things, but, um, you know, we can get super obsessive with it. And I did for a while and that was actually did more harm than good, or we can just do the best that we can. So, you know, especially like changing out your sheets and your pillowcases, I think is huge because you're sleeping for like a third of your life, something wild like that. So to make sure that those are non-toxic is really huge. Uh, if you could buy the most, even like half of your clothes, maybe like organic cotton or like more sustainably made better for you, better for the environment. Um, not using like toxic makeup and makeup full of chemicals. It's funny. Like the only time I've really broken out before was actually using, it was like Neutrogena face wash. And it's, I like do so much better. And most people do actually with just like water and some like essential oils. That's like all I use now. And, um, that's awesome. But yeah, I mean, like the makeup, like cleaning supplies for your house instead of using like Lysol or something like that. Um, you know, using something opting for something a little bit more natural. You know, food is a huge source of chemicals for us. So buying more organic and washing your produce. Um, I mean, people who are spraying the crops literally wear hazmat suits to protect themselves from the pesticides and all of the chemicals that they're spraying. So it, it just makes sense that it wouldn't be the best for us to eat. If they can't even inhale mm-hmm. it, we shouldn't be right. ingesting it. Um, so they all are getting cancer. Yeah. So, you know, it's just like being aware of all of the different sources, right? Like I just named a ton, um, just being aware of all of the sources and like slowly reducing, like we, there, we have been able to prove that we can reduce our toxic load in as little as five days just by switching to organic food and swapping out those toxic, um, kitchen cleaning supplies. So it's so possible. And Mm -hmm. it is one of the best like transitions I ever made because I used to get really bad headaches. Um, also unplugging the Wi-Fi router can really help with that too. I unplug my Wi-Fi router at night when I sleep and I sleep with my like all phones and technology on airplane mode and out of the room. And like, (laughs) yeah. And that like dramatically helps with my headaches. As you know, Heidi too, I stopped using the Bluetooth headphones and, you know, I, I never wore makeup. I wasn't, I think I tried to do it in like maybe sixth grade and like 
just never really got into it, could never get good at doing it because it's such an art. So I'm grateful for that. I never use like hairsprays or anything like that. I don't dye my hair. Um, but I work with a lot of people in my private practice who do. And so just making those swaps because there are brands out there that provide more clean and safer products. Um, and like deodorant too, like either just not wearing it at all. I know some people are like, I can never do that, but you actually, your body just adapts eventually, <laughs> which is great. Um, but right. and when you're less toxic, you less, less toxic. stink. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, um, yeah, there's so <laughs> many things that we can do to reduce our toxin exposure. And like I said, I mean, even if you just switch to eating organic produce, like you will reduce dramatically reduce the toxic load and toxic burden on your body in just five days. That's less than a week. So, um, yeah. doing that for your kiddos, it's so motivating, right? and doing that you know? for your kiddos as well as for yourself and for your loved ones. Um, because toxicity is linked to ADD, ADHD, eating disorders, um, autism, nervous disorders, like you name it, it has a lot of links and we're still uncovering a lot of the links and linking it back to women's health and fertility, the average umbilical cord we've um, detected over uh, 232 toxic chemicals in it. And that was only testing for a little bit over 400 out of thousands. So, you know, we, they're probably even more. So we're just coming into the world toxic. So we really need to get a grip on that. I don't foresee us reducing toxins in our environment, um, unfortunately. So instead of like waiting for the world to change, just make the changes for yourself and for your loved ones. And hopefully eventually that just grows until the world actually does change. But, um, I, I agree yeah. with you. Yeah. You have to start on the local scale. You for, for sure do. The globe. <laughs> oh yeah. Speaking of local, if you can go to a local farmer's market every week, like, Oh, like I love to go buy some veggies there and making my own homemade like sauerkraut and pickled vegetables and having just like a couple scoops of that a day. I just like, literally do like a little happy dance because I'm like I just like did the healthiest thing for my body um <laughs> so yeah there's so much that we can do right and you know there's a lot that we can't do but I say focus on what you can do or else you'll just drive yourself mad um if you're anything like me <laughs> so just do what you can do there's for yeah there's for sure um for sure a balance and like it's super important to live a low toxic lifestyle for your hormone health health and like my favorite ways to do so are, you know, outside of what I already mentioned, like reducing the amount of, you know, toxic products that you use is to, again, just use herbs and food to help with your liver and your overall detoxification um, and supporting detoxification. So we, once we package everything up, you know, these really harmful toxins and chemicals during phase one of our liver detoxification, phase two Packages, packages them up into um, water-soluble metabolites that those are then excreted. They can be excreted through our stool, which is why it's super important to be having multiple bowel movements a day. I say three. Hopefully, people are having three a day. It would be amazing. Um, but at least... People say at least one. I'm going to say at least two. I say two. Um, especially I agree. if you're I eating. Agree. Yeah. 
especially if you're eating, you know, like you should be eating three meals a day and maybe a snack here or there if you're going longer than, you know, three to four hours between meals. You should be having that many bowel movements if you're fueling yourself properly and you don't have any blockages in there. So a lot of us have blockages, um, which we need to uncover those root causes. But make sure you're having bowel movements. You can hop in a sauna during your follicular and your ovulatory phases. I think that would be great. Um, you can do it during the first half of your luteal phase. I wouldn't do it during your period just because you're already pretty depleted in your nutrients. Um, so not, you know, adding more stress to your body by just sweating out a bunch. <laughs> you're already pretty depleted. Um, and <laughs> drinking enough water so you can support uh, urinating. And, um, also through your mucus. So that is one that's not talked about a lot, but we can literally hack up. We can cough up. We can like get out through our snot, um, toxins as well. So most people just drink water first thing in the morning. Don't do that. Oil pull, tongue scrape, get all that mucus out. You may have some mucus coming out from your eyes or your nose. Um, I did a temescal in January, which is uh, an ancient practice. It's like a, basically a human sweat lodge. And I sweat out so much. Oh, cool. And literally for the next 24 hours, gobs of gook were coming out of my eyes and my nose. And, um, you know, and don't snort it back. Like, get it out of there because your body is trying to get everything out through your sweat, through your urine, through your stool, through mucus. Oh my God, yes, it's a very that. spiritual healing and Mayan experience. We did it in Tulum. Um, you know, depending on where you do it, each indigenous culture has their own, um, their own, you know, beautiful, unique ways of doing things. And so we did it in Tulum. So, you know, the herbs that we were using for it were, um, the, the local cultures, herbs, and uh, things were very tailored towards that. So it's a, it was a beautiful healing experience, and it was my first time doing it. But I don't think it'll be my last time. Um, so yeah, so that those are my favorite ways to support mm -hmm. hormone health, and a huge one again is just like reducing the amount of processed food that you're having, and alcohol, and like caffeine. We have so many stimulants already in our worlds: our phones, our laptops, blue light. You know notifications on text and on social media, all these things are already stimulating us. So to uh, reduce those um, stimulations that aren't needed, like that cup of coffee in the morning. I know a lot of people love coffee. I just, I, uh, it's people are like, it's just <laughs> easy for you to say that because you actually don't like coffee. I'm like, yeah, it tastes disgusting to me. Um, but I love matcha and I love cacao. Those are very stimulating. So you can have those um, during certain phases of your cycle. And then when you are kind of in the more, um, the, the luteal phase and like the time right before your period and on your period, I really suggest to skip all caffeine together because your resting cortisol rate is higher. You're a little bit more stressed out. Um, so to just have dandelion tea or herbal tea, you know, that's not so stimulating is my, uh, my recommendation for that time. But yeah, just, you know, there are so many ways that you can support yourself and so many, like so many solutions to healing your body naturally. Um, yeah, there's so many. Yeah. No, I love all these. Yes. These are awesome. So yeah, they're endless. Well, 
where can everyone find you? I know I pimped out your Instagram <laughs> a little bit, yes. um, but tell, tell the, tell the listeners where they can find you, where they can purchase your product. Absolutely. Your app, all the jazz. Well, I will send you Heidi links for like my Instagram, for my podcast, for my website that you can include in, in the show notes. Um, and then anyone who's just like, yeah. Um, but Absolutely. check out my podcast, everyone. It's very tailored towards our reproductive health and our menstrual health and just how it's so interrelated with everything. So definitely check that out. It's there to support you. It's completely for free. I don't have any like sponsors on it or anything like that. So your reviews really mean the world and help boost that SEO. Um, and then my website's just Peace Love Hormones. The brand Instagram is Peace Love Hormones. Um, my Instagram is just my name. It's the Maddie Miles because someone already took Maddie Miles. So I'm the Maddie Miles on Instagram. And um, I think, oh, and then my menstrual health app. Yeah, all links are in my Instagram as well. So there's a direct link to just download it. And you get with that link, um, you get to try it for, I think it's three days for free. And maybe five days. You get to try it out for free though first to see if you vibe with it. And then if you do, it's just a monthly membership. So you get phase specific recipes, exercises, um, herbal remedies, like a bunch of things, um, that just come included in that. So thank I you so it. much for having me and Yay. we'll have to do a part two because there's just so much that we can talk about. But I think this is such like a great yeah. overview of, you know, I hope this just like leaves a lot of people feeling like more empowered to start to explore their options when it comes to alternative methods for preventing pregnancy, um, perhaps stopping hormonal contraceptive if they're on it, but making sure that they do it safely and with, you know, with a practitioner, someone who knows this stuff. And um, yeah, to just, you know, put the power back in people's hands so we don't have to rely on other people to make us feel good. Absolutely. <laughs> No, I think it was super, super empowering. You are something just like something about you, just listening to you. You're very encouraging and calming. Oh. So I know the audience is going to love it. Yay. But thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Of course. Thank you. And thank you everyone for listening. If you listen to this, um, tag Heidi and I on Instagram so you can see and repost it. Oh.